Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. And, um, Alan, what does your heading say on that? 34? No, 24. Yeah. There's no heading. Dang it, I want someone else to... You got it? What does it say? The Gentile shows her faith. Dang it. Okay. (laughs) So there's a word I can't say, and I was trying to get one of you guys to screw it up. Um, The heading of mine. But it just means uh, Greek lady or Gentile lady. Anyways, let's read it. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, or Sidon. What is it? Sidon? And uh, he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syro-Phoenician? Phoenician. That's way easier than I thought it was. (laughs) By birth. And she kept asking him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out, and her daughter was lying on the bed. So, I've read this before, like, you know, in Matthew, and and, the, and I've read it in Mark, I believe. And this is one of those that I would just, like, read it, and like, yeah, I'm not sure, keep reading. Kind of just go past it. Because um, it just, it, for me, it was just hard to understand. So I'm glad that I got to teach on it because it, it just, you know, it made me dig into it. And there's a ton of good stuff here. And um, so let's get into it. So verse 24, from here he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Do we agree on that? Um, and he entered a house and wanted one, and wanted no one to know, but he could not be hidden. So, Jesus purposely traveled to the, the region, this region, and it's a Gentile region. And um, interesting, I never really put it together prior to studying this, but, the, but the, um, it's kind of interesting that he's going to a Gentile region because Jesus' ministry, as he was here on earth as a man, like so we understand his goal was to the whole world there's no question but the if you look at the traces of where he spent his time ministering it wasn't to the gentiles it wasn't in gentile region it was it was like to the house of israel to the jews now and we'll get into this not to say that it's not for that but the reality of it is like physically he never really even crossed the borders into like these Gentile regions. And um, I guess I just like would always read over that and didn't really put that together. But it, it and it kind of makes sense as we go through this. So 
Um, you know, so, well, for an example, you know, we've been going through all this in Mark. We've been going through these things. And um, so, like, last week he was talking to the Pharisees and the Jews that, you know, that were criticizing about, or the week before last, about um, the disciples eating without washing their hands and all this stuff, right? These are all Jewish cultures we see that he's he's dealing with and he's, like, rebuking constantly, really. And um, then... Um, uh, Jesus, like he shows in that, that he wasn't, Jesus wasn't following the Jewish law, right? Like Jesus was the law. Like, and he was constantly just breaking that down to these Jews that were trying to make it a work. And like, do you do these things and go through these steps? And they were the ones that grew up knowing the word their whole life, waiting for this Messiah. And Jesus is constantly trying to tell them like, hey guys, I'm it, blah, blah, blah. And so, um, He just he just shouldn't have been in a, that Gentile region. He shouldn't even been in a Gentile's house. You know, it would it would not be fitting to the Jews for Jesus to be as a Jew to be to be hanging out with them. And so, you know, it, it's funny that that he says he wanted to go there and no one to know he was there, but he couldn't stay hidden. Um. So, like, was he ashamed or? You know, why would he not want people to know that he's there? Yeah, maybe to rest, because there's other things we've read where he wanted to rest and the multitude wouldn't let him rest. But, you know, Jesus knew the work he had to do here. He was okay with it at the end of the day of of doing the work. So, you know, why why was he there? Why do you want no one to know? Jesus was, you know, he understood the segregation between the Jews and the Gentiles. He got it. And um, he understood because of he knows start to the finish, where that, that segregation and the dealings with the Jews versus the Gentiles and or both, he knew when that was going to come into play. And it just, it just really wasn't a lot until, until we're, met, we're seeing it here a little bit and then a little later on, like you get into Acts and stuff like that. Um, so assuming he's being mindful of that, right? If I'm painting that picture... He's just, he's being mindful of the fact, if we have that in our minds, that he knows the order of how he's going to lay this, this world out and how he's going to lay it out for him to be proclaimed. He's aware of that as we get into this, this scripture when he um, says some things to this lady that comes to him. So, um, so with that, he's not, he's not commanding his presence to be a secret either when you read that. He's not... He's not saying that like it has to be a secret. Don't tell anybody. He's just saying he wanted, he wanted. How what did it say? He entered a house and wanted no one to know. Um, but at the same time, he didn't. You know, he didn't want anybody to know. But he also didn't go and have it published in that that morning's newspaper either. Like here, I'm coming, or send his disciples ahead of him to say, "Hey, get everybody ready because the Messiah is coming to town." And. Um, so, so he just, it says he couldn't be hidden, which we can relate to that, especially here in America where everybody knows who Jesus is, whether they believe him or not, it's a different story, but everybody knows the name, has heard the name Jesus. So we, and especially in this time and everything, like we just said that like the multitudes just kept flocking to him and flocking to him and they, you know, like he really couldn't get rest from it. So it's no surprise 
even in this Gentile town, a region that he goes to in this place, that he couldn't be hidden. People knew he was there. They knew about his business, and people were drawn to him. So, um, so moving on to verse 25. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. So, thinking about this, this woman, she's from this Gentile region. She, for her to, to come to him, you know, she's not a Jew. She doesn't believe in God. She's not waiting for the Messiah. She hasn't been taught that. But she, there's significance here because she goes to him to, and falls down at his feet. And... Um, she has no, you know, no biblical upbringing. Like we're just, it's painting this picture of understanding why, why it's interesting that she would come to Jesus over, over her daughter. Um, but she'd clearly heard, she'd heard about Jesus. And so like when you read this account in Matthew, um, it says that she even refers to him as the son of David. So, you know, that's, She's someone somewhere along the lines because it said here she heard about him. You know, it doesn't say that she knew him, but so she also had heard about this Jewish culture of that the Messiah would be coming through the line of David. And um, so she like she addresses him like that in in the account of Matthew. And uh, the great thing is, is this Gentile woman, she. She also, she clearly believed Jesus said who he, he was who he said he was. Um, but, so reading through this, I, you know, I'm thinking, so why would, why would she have believed? So just some of my thoughts, just trying to like put myself there. You know, her daughter was, a, was demon possessed. You know, I just know like a mother's love. I know like my wife's love for our children, like, she would run through this wall and the next one for our kids outside without hesitation. Just this mother's love. I mean, it's incredible. So, you know, without a doubt, she's done everything she could. So in this, in this culture of a non-Jew, a Gentile, I'm sure she's went to the witch doctors. I'm sure she's prayed to these, these pagan gods and all this stuff and nothing was working. Her daughter was still, was still demon possessed. And this woman, you know, she just, she has this motherly love. She loved her daughters. There, there was, she wasn't going to quit at just the fact like, well, my daughter's demon possessed and that's it. There's nothing we can do about it. We'll just deal with her foaming at the mouth at dinner or whatever demon possessed people do. Um, you know, and I mean, it's, it's just, it's obvious. Like if we're here, we're, um, you know, just assuming we're like, we all believe in Jesus and we, and we know he's the answer. And, and so, you know, she, she was going through the same thing, struggles, I guess, that I think that we can, as far as like trying to use all these different things in life to um, either get through our problems or to just maybe fill an empty void or whatever it is. And just nothing of this world will ever will ever fill that spot. Nothing will. This won't, nothing worked for her trying to, get this demon out of her daughter until she figured out what would, 
you know, and surprise, surprise, it's Jesus. And so, I mean, that's, that's something that we can, we can just constantly think about and wrestle. I mean, it doesn't just have to be a demon-possessed person. It could be any of these things of, of our life that, like, we're just maybe not being content. Maybe whatever it is, of, like, you're never going to find that fulfillment outside of Christ. And I can say that wholeheartedly and, and with authority behind the Bible because it's true. And we've, we've probably seen it in ourselves. I've seen it in myself. I mean, story after story. I could go on about it, but I'm sure we all have seen it in people and in ourselves of like, oh, I just want the next thing. Okay, well, after I get that, then I'll be good. Well, after, wait, wait, one more. And it's just not the case. Like, there's always one more thing. You know, so, and I'm just trying to broaden the horizons of thinking outside of just things that are hurtful or painful or whatever, that Jesus is also there to support us in. I'm not going to say heal us in always because we know that that's not the case. But um, it's just a, this woman is just a good reminder of that. That, you know, nothing of this world, it's just anything we can find in this world for any of those things is just a band-aid. It's not going to heal us or fix us. I mean, some of the stuff especially here in America, it might be a really cool Band-Aid, like with camo on it. I mean, our kids, you, you give them a regular Band-Aid versus a Band-Aid with camo or something cool, like, like they're like, oh, my, oh, it didn't even hurt. Look at that Band-Aid. I want a couple. I'll put another one on this hand. Well, don't you have a scratch on that hand? You know, that's kind of really the same, the same thought, the same idea. Um, but the good news is, is that... Um, this is why we need Jesus. He's the only everlasting fulfillment. Guaranteed, for sure. Take it to the bank and bet the farm on it because it's, it's the truth. And, um, you know, she's going through this and she, it's clear as we, as we go through this that she had ears to hear these things. Says so she heard about Jesus. She came to see him. And the awesome thing is that we constantly read in here. We've been reading Revelation in town. That if you have ears to hear, Jesus is constantly asking that. God is constantly asking that. If you have ears to hear, then hear. So then it it turns into not just, oh yeah, I know Jesus and move on. It's like hearing, believing, receiving Christ in your life. And do you have ears to hear and believe what Jesus says? Moving on to verse 26. Um, The woman was a Greek, a Syro- Phoenician by birth and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter um, so right here you know it's like we, we've already been t- touching on this but it's making it crystal clear what kind who this woman was and what her background was a Greek a Gentile and um, and it's it's going to play into here in a little bit um so some more on the Gentiles and the Jews is important to understand in this passage. Um, the, you know, the Gentiles were, were considered pagans because they didn't believe in the true God. So a Gentile is anybody that is not a Jew in this day and age. Well, I guess today. So, you know, they, they were the, at this time, the Gentiles were considered, considered pagans, um, the, they were considered unclean. They were called dogs 
or they were called the uncircumcised. They were, if they, they were half um, Gentiles, they were the Samaritans. And all of these, if anything outside of being Jewish, um, they were viewed as enemies and they should be shunned. So let's, let's keep that in our mind when we come up here to what Jesus is going to say to her. So according to, the, according to the Jews, this woman was a pagan worshiper. And, um, and she just, this pagan worshiper, just, it says in that verse, she continued to ask. She kept asking, it says, to cast the demon out of her daughter. Um, it's funny going through this stuff because it was a, like I, I literally could. I just praying and reading through this. I just anything I was coming up with, I was pretty sure it just wasn't solid and really online. It was just I was grasping at straws to try to know what I've read out throughout the other the Bible to kind of make it make sense in my mind. And and I didn't trust that. And I know that I, I couldn't stand up here and, and bring you guys that. Right. And, and so like I, I had to go to commentary and a lot of it. And, and I was like, this is a pretty heavy one. It could be, a, you know, a controversial passage. So I just really want to get it figured out. And one of the guys I was reading a book out of was J.C. Riley, and, and he went a direction that I don't think he's wrong. It's, it's a good little nugget to put in there. Um, but I never would have, I never, my mind never would have went there. And he was, he's implying, and I think there's a nugget of truth in that, that, he, that we're, this woman and, and Jesus is getting us to the spot of, of an example of prayer, of interceding for other people. Because this woman, this, the daughter couldn't pray, help me. She was possessed by a demon. So this mom had to, had to intercede and had to pray for her. And um, J.C. Riley's commentary on it, like he went into a whole bunch of really good stuff, but it was a, just a good example of she didn't quit praying. She continued to pray. Nothing was working before she came to Jesus about it. And, but, so she didn't see light in the end of the tunnel, but she just continued to pray and pray and pray. So like, I can relate with that. You look at family and friends, and I'm sure you guys can too. And you just see these, some people that, that you know personally, not living for Christ, just, just like, really just blaspheming Christ to be straight with it. And I've, I've just been at times where I'm like, man, Lord, why would I continue to pray for these people? There's no hope they're going <clears> to <throat> they're gonna come to you. There's no way they will. They love their life too much. They love the, the lifestyle they're in. Lord, why would I continue to pray? And this, this woman had a great example of interceding fervently. Didn't weaken, didn't give up, continued to pray. And in this story, it turned out. It worked out. And we know if we know the Bible, we know that we're supposed to pray. We know that prayer works. And this is a good example of how it works. And even like at the end of the day, when you're tired, you just want to go to bed. I would encourage all of us, like we get down on our knees or whatever your prayer life looks like. And we just bear down. And we just we just fervently pray. And because here's the other side of it. It's not for us to see the fruits out of that prayer. Right. Like. It's awesome when we get to see fruits from that, but it's not for us. It's the reaping the crop, the Bible says, is only for God. It's for His glory for Him. But it is a blessing when God allows us to see a little fruit out of somebody you've been praying for, isn't it? Like it's, like you're just like, oh my gosh. And then, praise the Lord, He, he blesses us with that because then we're like, man, you're real. 
what you say is true. What I'm, you say I'm supposed to do is true and it works. Because I've been praying and this person showed up to church. It's, it's how it's supposed to be. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't hang my hat on that, that I'm, I would go there with this whole thing is talking about prayer, but prayer is in there. And it's true. And it's a great example of prayer works. And it's sometimes it feels laborious and stuff, but it's worth it. Do we love people enough to pray for them? I hope so. And um, I kind of went on a little more of that than I was going to. But so it's obvious here. It says she kept praying. She was fervently praying. She was never going to quit. It also was showing um, it was showing faith. This and don't forget this Gentile woman that knew nothing of God, knew nothing of true faith. She was showing some pretty crazy faith right here. She was praying. She, was, she wasn't going to stop no matter what. And then here, we'll, here in a second, we're going to get into why like, it's still crazy that she didn't stop after what Jesus says to her. But um, it really hit me, you guys. Like Her last resort and her best and only resort was Jesus. Like If I could, if I could get anybody to think about that when they leave, like, our only resort, our last resort. And I just looked up the definition of resort, and it like said something in Hawaii. <laughs> and I was just, I'm, a, I'm so good on the computer. <laughs> so, uh, a little more digging and help from <clears throat> Georgia on the computer. Uh, no, so, so um, resort, an action of turning to and adopting a strategy or course of action, especially a disagreeable, especially a dis, disagreeable or undesirable one, so as to resolve a difficult situation. That kind of sums up her deal. But this daughter that she loved so much, obviously was demon-possessed. So her last resort, our last resort, um, is Jesus, and, and he's the only and the best resort. Going on, verse 27. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So this is the curveball I've been kind of leading up to. Like, why we're understanding she's a Gentile. <clears throat> Jesus really wasn't hanging out, converting Gentiles. Like, his main focus was the house of Israel, the Jews, right? For his time, like, you got to hear that part, for his ministry while he was here. Um, so, so it's like he's, she comes to him with faith, doesn't, you know, is not a, not a Jew, not, doesn't know about God, isn't waiting for the Messiah, and he just pretty much says to her, you just wait your, you just wait your turn, Gentile woman. You just hold on and wait. You know, like, it just seems kind of, <laughs> it just seems crazy that to me when I'm reading that. It just seems crazy that Jesus, the our all loving Father, would say that to this gal that has a serious problem. And um, you know, and with that, like, don't forget they're seen as unworthy, unclean, uncircumcised. They're seen as dogs. This woman that came up to Jesus, and he kind like, he kind of talks to her like that, right? Like we're like, this is not this is not the Jesus I want to follow. But we'll understand why, hopefully, here in just a second. So, um, 
the so the children he's talking about in that section of um, let the children be filled first. The children he's talking about is the house of Israel, is the Jews. The dogs he's talking about is the Gentiles. He is talking about those two different types of people, and he says, let the you know let the children eat first. Don't let the stuff. Don't let the food and the bread go to the dogs. So, um, but he did kind of say it nice, I guess. He said little dogs. I think it kind of probably took the sting off just a bit. But I just got a new puppy and it's so cute. <laughs> Anyways, um, but let's not forget, you guys. So Jesus, Jesus is all sovereign, right? He knows. He knows the start to the finish. And um, skipping ahead in the Bible, we can look at, at Acts. The Holy Spirit comes. Jesus is gone, ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes down on to, to believers to stay now. It's, it's, it's a, you know, a, a new time of, of God's plan. And so then he starts sending people in to go to the Gentiles. Now, again, I'm not saying Jesus never healed Gentiles or talked to Gentiles, but he wasn't going out to the Gentile regions. Later on, in, so looking at this, and we're thinking about how could Jesus be like saying these derogatory things to this woman in need, um, he's really not. He's just keeping, he knows ahead, right? So he's keeping the order of how things are supposed to go and are going to go. You know, later on in Acts chapter 11, um, Peter has a vision of a sheet, and the sheet comes down to him, and on it are all the animals of the earth, creeping, crawling things, and all these things. And he says to Peter, Jesus does, and Jesus is already gone into heaven, and Jesus says to Peter, he says, um, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, I can't. I would never eat these unclean animals. I never have, I never will. And Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but Jesus says to him, no, everything I've made is, is clean, or something along those lines. And he's talking about, he's telling Peter, now it's time to go get the Gentiles. Go get them. And um, so, so my point to that is, and then also, in, um, I, really like, it's, I really like the end of that, um, Acts 11, the verse 18. Like, this, like we all need to remember this part of how we um, go about Jesus. But it says, when they heard these things, they became silent and glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted the Gentiles repentance to life. So this is after Peter goes and tells these people that, okay, now it's not just for the Jews, it's for all everybody. Everybody. Gentiles, everybody. And these people are rejoicing, saying this. And they say, Then God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Okay, that's the key word there of how we get to true life is repentance. And so, and then also Jesus knowing ahead of time, knowing in the future that Paul was going to also be teaching to the Romans, the Roman Christians. And Paul said, would say in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jews first... And then the Gent- the Greek, the Gentiles. So Paul says it there. The Jews first, then, then the Gentiles. So it's not, we can't, we, like our worldly minds, we would see it as like it hurts our feelings or something. Because what do you mean you're telling me to wait? I can't, I can't have, we're dogs and the, 
the Jews are God's children, the chosen kingdom. Well, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just the order of how, how God is orchestrating life. And so Paul tells us that, and Paul is rejoicing to the Romans, the Gentiles, saying that the Jews first and also the Gentiles. So it kind of is taking, it really is taking the sting off of it, is my point to all of that. And he says, and in, in, in that, um, the verse we just read here in Mark, it said, let the children be filled first. So, you know, it's just, it's just the shift of how things are happening in Jesus' ministry. And then as he steps out and his disciples take off um, to go on. So, and with that, you guys, Jesus is testing them. So, remember, Jesus never tempts us, but he does test us. And that's a great thing. It's awesome. Tested Abraham with Isaac, killing his only son he'd been waiting a thousand years for. He's a hundred, but... Um, you know, and it's just a test, and he passed, and he, and he didn't kill his son. So these tests are great, right? It builds endurance for this race that is, that is an endurance race. So she, she, she's being tested here clearly when he talks to her like that because we know Jesus, if someone's coming to him saying, Lord, I want you in my life, he wants them. So going on to um, verse 28. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. So right there, she, she proves her faith, right? She, she agrees with him. She acknowledges. She doesn't even get upset about it. Like, you just called me a dog and these other people are better than me. She humbled herself. Like, that's something we could see and take something from. Humbling, humbling ourselves, trusting God's plan. Not our plan, God's plan. And with that, she still, she doesn't stop praying. She doesn't stop praying when when the outcome doesn't happen the way she wants it to happen and when she wants it to happen. Like, that's faith. That's the faith that that we all should have. It's not on our time. It's not like when we want. It's it's God's time. And it's a good thing because He's in complete control. She acknowledges that, um, that she trusts His plan no matter the order of it. And also that the that the crumbs the crumbs from the chosen people that they didn't want, the Jews that they didn't want, like she was like, I'll take those. Give those to me. I'll have that. Even if it's a crumb crumb of the kingdom of God and and these chosen people don't want it, I'll take the crumbs from those from those children. Bring it. We'll have it. Which is an absolutely like just the humility in her in this is absolutely incredible. And what are the things, when we read the Bible, when Jesus like praises somebody, what are, it's over like faith and humility. That's when Jesus praises people in the Bible. It's incredible. It's just, we all could use that. And I, talking to Courtney about this too, it just made me, she brought up the idea of the same idea of like these, wanting even these crumbs or whatever, being lower or higher, whatever you want to call that. It kind of reminds you of Johnny's sermon of the Legos, right? Of, of the house, right? Like the little two-pronger or the big one. It doesn't matter. It's just the body of Christ. Like we all have our parts. Like maybe 
you know, the chosen people, the Jews, the 144,000, okay, they're whatever that looks like, we'll find out in the end, guaranteed. But it says, like, there's some significance of where they're, they seem to be above everybody else, okay? Who cares? Like Johnny's sermon, like, if we're a little one in the corner or we're a big one, let's just be a part of the, like, if I can be a little one, but maybe I'm, I'm in the corner that holds the building together. That little one's a pretty big deal. Whatever it is. And so, I, that, I mean, that was just another, another good nugget into this thought of, of her being okay with that. Of, we need to be okay with where the Lord has us. And I don't mean we're like, if we're in this idle mode, we don't want to be there. That's clear of, of the Bible either. But I'm just saying of our role, our gifts, whatever it is that Christ would have us do. We just need to be coming to Christ at His feet. Like, what is my role? What do you want me to do for your kingdom, for your glory? Um, Verse 29. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. So, you guys, sounds to me like she passed the test. We see of who she was, who she like compared to Jesus being a Jew and even like because when you read it in Matthew the disciples were trying to kick her out of there saying get out of here and it was the same reason because of this Jew Gentile thing um, she she just showed faith and she showed humility and Jesus blessed her with with healing her daughter so some other things we can take away from this you guys is realizing through this, um, well, let me let me go ahead first. I guess finish verse thirty, and um, and when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. So, a few things throughout this, you guys like to to be thinking about to summarize of what what the Lord would have us here in this is um, realizing nothing of this world. No Gentile gods, no new pickup, no whatever it is. Nothing's going to heal anything. Nothing's going to make us content. Nothing's going to fill us besides Jesus. Um, Having an ear to hear and responding. That's the big one. We, We hear, if we come every Sunday, we hear it every Sunday, but are we responding? That's the big one. Praying, interceding, fervently, never quitting. That was a, that was a pretty big one for me. Like I said, I never would have went there the way J.C. Riley went in the, on this passage, but I'm, I'm glad I read that because it just made me realize, like, I do that. And I got I got some family I, I constantly think about, and I just saw not too long ago, and I'm just I, that went through my mind a week ago. These people are never ever gonna give up the way they want to live and talk and act. There's no sense in even wasting my time. I got a hundred other people that I don't pray for that I should be praying for. I'm not wasting my time praying for these guys anymore. Little little heart check there, Joe. But who, if I don't pray for them, who will? I think we all, we could all relate to that. I hope we all relate to that. Trusting God's plan, His timing, His design, his way, not ours. Patience. 
a race of endurance. Testing us is a good thing. And, uh, you know, this, this woman left, left Jesus and went home knowing and trusting God that her daughter was healed because Jesus said he was. Before she even got there, the burden was off of her shoulders. You know, she was rejoicing. Her heart was full. She was content. Her life was changed forever. I'm sure her daughter's was too, and hopefully descendants the family on from there. Now, just as we're... Just the the last thing, I guess, I think that really kind of tie this together, and it's funny because it just hit me on the second to last song that he was singing just now. Um, I talked to two different guys this throughout this last week, and it was this question of how how do we, you know, the confusion of how do we submit to God? How do we find God? You know, yeah, even one of the guys, you know, he like he goes to church and stuff, but he just was honest of like, I still don't know how to do it. And it was just these conversations of what this lady did. She just just showed all of her cards. I like I, I don't here, here's my cards. I got nothing. I don't know how to do it. I just came to Jesus' feet and just said, Lord, help me, show me. And he did it. He's faithful, promises us to meet us there. So like it just just hit me just just two seconds ago to how to close this and wrap it up and put a bow on it. And it's that. That's how we that's what this gal did. That's how we do it. We don't know how without him telling us. Like I could sit up here three times a week, or Rory could sit up here three times a week, or Dustin, and repeat this stuff over and over and over, and we should, and we need to. The gospel's great. Believers need gospel as much as non believers. That's a fact. But that's how we do it. We just like, Lord, I don't know how. You gotta show me. I can't my wife can't show me. Lonnie can't show me. Like I just I'm sitting here, Lord, I'm by myself. No one knows I'm asking you. Show me how to do this deal, because I don't know how to do it. And that's what she did, and her daughter was healed and her lives were never the same. So praise God for that. And that is it, you guys. Let's pray. Dustin, you want to come up and pray for us on this? Absolutely.